0: All right, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ladies podcast installment. I'll be your host today, Tyler Campbell, Managing Editor of H2 Tech. Uh, today, we are joined by Anand Sengupta, who is the VP and Head of Global Sales for the compression business at Siemens Energy. We will be taking a deep dive with Anand on the topic of ammonia, especially ammonia via green hydrogen. Uh, We have a lot to get to in this episode, so let's introduce our special guest. How are you doing today, Anand?
1: Very good, Tyler, and uh, thank you for calling me in here.
0: Thank you for giving us some of your precious time here. Uh, So uh, let's go ahead with the first question. Uh, Can you start by introducing yourself and telling us more about Siemens Energy and your role with the company?
1: Sure, I, I take it from where you left. So, of course, you know, Siemens Energy is one of the world's leading energy technology companies. I'm working as the vice president of global sales for compression. And uh, I live in Erlangen, based out of uh, Erlangen in Germany. Now, our company works uh, on the energy systems for the future. So, we are supporting the transition of the current energy landscape into a more sustainable future. And uh, we have portfolio products, solution services that covers almost the entire energy value chain, from power generation and transmission to storage. Interestingly, we have products and portfolios that are covering the conventional side of energy and also the renewable side of energy technology. On the conventional side, I could talk about gas and steam turbines, hybrid power plants, also operating with hydrogen, uh, power generators, transformers. And then we have the Siemens Gamesa Renewable Energy, which is one of the world leaders in wind power. This makes us, quite interestingly, the global market leader for renewable energies. One of the interesting fact here is that about one-sixth of the electricity generated worldwide is based on technologies from Siemens Energy. And that touches my heart because it's impacting our society and we are trying to move into a decarbonized, much more sustainable society in the future And that's probably one of the reasons I'm here as well in this company. Today, we'll focus more on compression, by the way. And compression is a very critical and important part of the value chain of this decarbonization journey. As you know, that uh, green hydrogen is one of the key energy carriers. And green hydrogen is produced where there is abundance of renewable energy. Interestingly, far away from the demand centers, which is more urban, more populated and far away from these green energy production centers. And across the entire value chain of green energy production, green hydrogen, green ammonia, the transport of this energy to the consumption points, and also the distribution of this energy to the customers and consumers, we see that compression is like a spider in the net. It's needed everywhere, and that makes it very exciting and interesting for us.
0: All right, Anand, well, I mean, you just mentioned green hydrogen and green ammonia, um, we both know that they're both considered key players in the energy transition. So how can their integration into energy intensive industries revolutionize decarbonization efforts?
1: Yeah, great question, Tyler. I think both green ammonia and hydrogen open new decarb pathways uh, as fuel, and and, uh, also as clean feedstock. If we talk about some of the hard to abate industries, for example, the marine and shipping industry, uh, here we can think of green ammonia and green hydrogen being a replacement for the heavy fuel oils that's used today. Heavy fuel oils are extremely carbon intensive and uh, also very hard to track because the shipping industry is quite global. And the use of ammonia here can really reduce the carbon footprint by a large extent and allow us to decarbonize this really uh, carbon-intensive industry. Another example could be the chemicals industry, where uh, we use uh, the natural gas or oil as a feedstock to produce fertilizers, nitric acid, solvents, which are further uh, producing all the different consumer-related elements that we are using in our day-to-day lives. The use of clean hydrogen and ammonia here will also lead to almost low or zero carbon emissions, And this will support in the end, the growth in the demand, but at the same time, not lead to growth in the carbon emissions. A similar example can be uh, from the steel industry, which is responsible for roughly 8% of global emissions. And here again, we are seeing a transformation from the traditional steel industry, which is extremely carbon intensive to green hydrogen based uh, reduction of iron, which can lead to near zero emissions. And again, support the global domestic, uh, the growth in uh, GDP, but at the same time, reduce the carbon emissions. So both as a fuel and as a feedstock, green ammonia and green hydrogen can be used as a decarbonization pathway and can help in the reduction of carbon footprint overall.
0: So what, what would the advantages be of using ammonia as a transport vector for hydrogen compared to other methods? And how might this impact the energy landscape?
1: Yeah, there are some advantages of ammonia. I think uh, some of the advantages are technical, some are a bit more on the safety side, but then also the user experience comes in and the familiarity plays an important role. I think to go on the technical side, I would say that ammonia is quite uh, easy to liquefy. It takes much less energy, can be stored at much lower pressure in liquid form than, than liquid hydrogen, which... Uh, Takes a lot of energy to liquefy, but also at the same time to maintain that as a liquid we need extremely high pressures. So that's uh, one big factor that uh, will play a role in the favor of ammonia. On the other side, ammonia is very stable. It's a, it's a compound that stays as a liquid, and uh, we have been using ammonia quite a lot, uh, even transporting it around. And that makes it uh, much more attractive, much more viable as a hydrogen vector or energy carrier. Right. But if you look at some of the infrastructure and non-technical factors, we see that uh, ammonia can also be a much lower risk transport vector uh, compared to hydrogen because there is existing infrastructure. When I say existing infrastructure, it also means we have existing experience. We have uh, a financial risk that has played out and we are quite sure of how it will happen, how it will work in the future, right? So there is much less unknown that uh, we are talking about when talking about transporting ammonia versus transporting liquid hydrogen. But going back to the technical side, uh, the amount of hydrogen, the mass fraction of hydrogen and ammonia is quite high, about 17 to 18%, which makes it a good fuel in terms of the energy density, much better than liquid hydrogen. So from the overall capacity for volume per volume or weight per weight for creating potential um, useful energy, ammonia or liquid ammonia is much better than liquid hydrogen. If you now look at the energy landscape, well, the energy landscape is much uh, better established for ammonia, uh, especially for long distance transport. And we said that for green hydrogen or green ammonia, Uh, long-distance transport will be the major pathway, right, because the production and the consumption are happening far away. The other advantage is that uh, the uh, ammonia process, compared to any other carbon-based e-fuels, for example, methanol, uh, the ammonia process needs nitrogen, which is in abundance. So it's much easier to take hydrogen combined with nitrogen to create ammonia than to use uh, CO2, which has to be either um taken from the air which is quite energy intensive or in the production has to be sequestered back into the ground which again is quite energy intensive so as a as a transport vector we see that technically from a user experience from the commercial side it's a much better fuel vector or an energy vector than uh, and you know methanol or even other hydrogen carriers or even liquid hydrogen
0: okay now so i mean let's bring it back A bit ago you you spoke about compression um how critical are compressors in the transition towards sustainable energy and what innovative compressor solutions are being explored
1: yes so compressors are like the spider in the net Uh, as i said from the uh, energy production side to the transport to the distribution in every place compressors would be critical And, uh, in fact, uh, compressors are key for both ammonia and hydrogen uh, in the entire value chain. Now, they're needed in production. Uh, If you look at uh, both handling the hydrogen that comes in for electrolyzers, but also uh, using air separation to handle the nitrogen that has to be mixed or handling CO2 that has to be mixed for the production, all of these play a uh, key—the compressors play a key role to make that work. And uh, besides, compressors are also very important uh, or integral for carbon capture. So both from the uh, blue hydrogen standpoint, but also the e fuel production, if there is any carbon capture involved, the compressor would be important to really take the CO2 out and uh, handle the CO2 in order to make it uh, really net zero in terms of CO2 emissions. Now, we have uh, innovative compressor concepts. I think from the hydrogen side, I would talk about low molecular weight compressors. Uh, We call it the advanced rotor, which is very well adapted to efficiently compress uh, hydrogen or syngas. And here we see the advantage because we are looking at much smaller compressor bodies, much uh, lesser energy used to compress the same amount of gas than that would be needed in a traditional compressor. On the other side, we also have some hybrid compressor or combined compression concepts, including RECIP compressors and centrifugal compressors coming together. We see this mainly in the electrolyzer or the hydrogen production side where the volume fluctuations are quite high. And we see that uh, one type of compressor is not enough because then there is too much of either recycling or the, the amount of flow needed cannot be handled by typically one compressor type. But with a hybrid model, both the cycling from a high flow to a low flow, but also handling high flows could be done quite efficiently. And this is something we are quite uh, advanced and we are trying to work on as we speak. We also see on the waste heat recovery on the carbon capture side, there are some new concepts where because when you're compressing carbon dioxide, you know, you're really creating a lot of heat and it's uh, not really uh, efficient to 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 somehow lose that heat. So we're using heat recovery, and we have a special system to do that, which can help ensuring this high efficiency in the CO2 compression much more than what can be done with a typical normal CO2 compressor. We're also looking at wet oxygen compression. If you look at the entire process of electrolysis, there is oxygen coming in. It could be dry oxygen or wet oxygen. But if we can handle wet oxygen, you don't need the dehydration unit. And this has advantages that we can really have a smaller footprint. We have a more efficient system. There are less pressure losses in the dehydration unit and it is not needed at all. And uh, that can help us in really getting more efficient uh, production of hydrogen in the end. So we see that uh, compression is a spider in the net. No matter you're looking at production, looking at distribution over large distances, or even just looking at the consumption point, uh, bringing it up into a small packets that can be used by our consumers, compression will be needed everywhere. And we see this is one of the critical parts for really successful energy transition.
0: Okay, so uh, ammonia derived from low carbon hydrogen is increasingly being used as a carbon-free fuel in areas like uh, maritime transport as well as being employed as a hydrogen carrier. So which other industries does ammonia typically serve and and where are the growth areas?
1: So ammonia is actually a very known chemical and uh... As we speak, uh, we have about uh, 8,000 ammonia compressors around the world. Historically, we have been one of the leaders in ammonia compression. So, around about 70 to 80% of the ammonia produced today is used for fertilizers and will play a very key role in the future as well because nitrogen is key for the entire uh, biodiversity and our food production. The other industries where we see uh, and we talked about a little bit earlier are the chemical industries where we see that uh, some processes like nitric acid production, uh, also some of the explosive production, there are some solvents that need nitrogen. And this comes from ammonia. So this would be another area where we see there would be a demand for green ammonia. And uh, not to forget that ammonia can be used directly as a combustion fuel. So ammonia opens up many decarbonization pathways. Especially in power generation, ammonia can be burned in gas turbines. In fact, we have gas turbines where we can burn ammonia. Ammonia can also be um, burned in combustion engines. So, if you look at the traditional, you know, IC engines, we can have uh, some modifications which can help them to burn ammonia directly. If you look at hydrogen, is a big change. If you look at ammonia, it might be a much smaller change, and we can see other chemical sectors where nitrogen molecule is important or the energy sector where hydrogen is important. Ammonia will see a huge play in these areas, in these sectors.
0: What about government policy? Um, that will be a critical part of the success of ammonia and the energy transition. Do you see specific geographical regions that support ammonia production with low carbon technologies?
1: Yes, of course. I mean, there are countries that are quite favorable for ammonia or hydrogen production. And these would be to look into these countries, you could look into favorable wind or solar potential. If you look at Middle East, there is a lot of solar power, Australia, a lot of solar power. If you look at some other the countries, they, these are countries with a lot of wind power potential. So the abundant availability of renewable power, solar, wind, sometimes even hydropower would be important. That's point number one. But also the regulation framework, the political incent- the incentives coming from the uh, government, and the political stability of these incentives are critical. We have seen in some countries recently that there are really well-structured incentives, very stable, so the investments go forward very quickly, very, very in a very structured manner. But there are some areas where, because of political instability, the investments, the investors have a bit of a worry before they invest in this green ammonia, green hydrogen production plants, and that delays the overall uh, growth of the industry. But in the end, uh, the production is one side. The access to good transport infrastructure is also important. So be it ammonia shipped with trucks or in pipelines or in any other form, uh, even sometimes cross-continental across the ocean in ships. That would be key. So, having a good network of harbors or internal network of pipelines or road transport will be critical to bring that green ammonia, green hydrogen to the consumption point. And at the consumption point, I think there are two factors that play a role. One is the landed cost of fuel. It's a It's a total cost that takes into account the subsidies and everything that is there in the beginning of the production side. But also, how does it equate to uh, what is the current incumbent, the current fuel at the consumption point and what incentives do consumers have? That is key. And finally, I don't want to undermine the user experience. And if you look at some of the uh, hydrogen cars today, it's very difficult to find a hydrogen fueling station. It's very complex, cumbersome. But maybe tomorrow the current gas uh, stations are really easily pumping out ammonia. So I think that, that experience will be critical and that experience will drive adoption, which is how we will get to the conversion because the demand will drive our supply as well.
0: All right, good. Very robust answer, um, Anand. So, um, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to get on the main column.
1: Thank you, Tyler. It was, was good talking and I would love to have you know, more such discussion in the future. Thank you very much. Have a good one.
0: Yes, you as well. Um, and thank you all to the listeners for tuning in to another episode. Please remember to share and subscribe.